I mean, one of us said they were going to make the playoffs for the record, so... Uh, you backtracked, though, and also said that they then... You backtracked on that a couple weeks ago and said that, uh, yeah, I guess they are what they are. They're probably a 500 team. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that's going to release an extended version in 10 years. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, my pal Tom Shively. Tom, another exciting week in the sports world. I mean, the name speaks for itself. There's a lot going on. Tom, but how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, you know, we're into November. We're kind of getting to the uh, the grind of the NFL season. College basketball's up. You know, the NBA's getting into it. So really good, really good period on the sports calendar coming up. Tom, there's a lot to talk about. We're going to start, obviously, in the world of the NFL. There's a couple games we want to hit on, and then we have a little bit of a, a fun game relating to the NFL that we're going to do. Let, let's start with the games that jumped out to us and were of note this week. First up on the docket, Tom, the New England Patriots put an absolute beat down on the Kansas City, or sorry, not the Kansas City, the Cleveland Browns today, 45-7. to It was an impressive showing, again, by that Patriots defense. It's really been the formula for them all season is be dominant on defense, don't make mistakes on offense, and they did it again. Didn't really make any mistakes, dominated from point A, from start to finish against Cleveland, and I mean, the Patriots right now, to me, I said if they had gotten OBJ, would be the favorites in the AFC, but it feels like the Patriots are rounding into form at the right time and have found a formula that works for them to win games this season. You know, run the ball, don't put Mac Jones in positions where he's not comfortable, and play great defense. That's really their formula to win, and if we're being honest, that's how they won their first couple Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, they... They've got all pro talent really all over the place. It, it's hard to kind of pinpoint. I think the defensive line, especially with Judon and the secondary, have been incredible this year. JC Jackson's been disgustingly good. The McCordys are, are, are going to do what they do. And it, it kind of feels like this was the perfect Patriots performance. Like they gave up a touchdown on the opening drive, and they were pretty flawless on defense after that. They really got after Mayfield. Obviously, not having Nick Chubb hurt Cleveland a lot, it'd be interesting to see how much more efficient at rushing attack could have been with him. But, I mean, Mac Jones, again, you, you kind of hit on it, just doesn't have to do a ton, and that's what you want if you're the Pats. He only threw the ball 23 times, but he threw three touchdowns, no interceptions. So, And he had a dime to Bourne. Did you see that one, like the 30-yard pass where Bourne went up and high-pointed it? Mac Jones is getting better at, at finding the receivers in a good spot. He had a really good throw to Hunter Henry as well in one of the touchdowns. So he's kind of grown into the offensive system, and – I'd put that defense up with anybody in the AFC right now, and I think it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they match up with some of these other teams moving forward. they got the Titans coming up in two weeks, who right now are the number one team in the AFC, so they're going to learn a lot about the Pats in that game. But right now, I mean, they're looking every bit of playoff team. They're looking like they could maybe win a couple games in the playoffs too, so I'm excited to kind of see the, the growth that they've had so far. I mean, this team could realistically win the division right now. It's not like the Bills have been runaway, clear best team in the division. And I, I think the difference between those two teams, that's the thing I keep hitting on. The Bills always seem, and specifically the way Josh Allen plays, they always seem they're a moment away from like a huge catastrophic mistake. Whether that's a ter- uh, an interception, a fumble a boneheaded play on defense. It just feels like the Bills at all times are always so close to just making a stupid mistake. And if you make a dumb mistake against the Patriots, 
We've seen it the last 20 whatever years. They're going to capitalize. And this is a team who, again, kind of like we mentioned, like doesn't really turn the ball over, plays excellent defense. And you see what they did today against the Cleveland offense that I don't think anyone's going to say is a bad offense. Like at worst, they're a league average offense. If you think super low of Baker Mayfield, if we're being realistic, they're probably like on the lower end of good in terms of offenses, but Patriots shut them down. They they stood no shot at any point during this game, and it, it was frankly one of the most impressive performances we've seen from a team this year because Cleveland, I think, is in that group of teams that could make the playoffs, and to have a game in hand now for the Patriots and still have the division in sight, I think I'd be... At, I'd be ecstatic if I'm a Patriots fan. I mean, you and I had talked about how they were probably a 500 team who probably won't make the playoffs, but you just want to see growth from Mac Jones. You're seeing the growth. The defense is excellent, and you have a great shot to win the division. I don't know what more you could ask for. I mean, one of us said they were going to make the playoffs for the record. So uh, You backtracked, though, and also said that they then – you backtracked on that a couple weeks ago and said that, uh, yeah, I guess they are what they are. They're probably a 500 team. I mean, are you saying you're doubling I back? I got a lot of crap last week for doubling back. Are you doubling back now that the Patriots I, I, are a playoff I think, team? I think how, how different is ten and seven from nine and eight? That's the real question. The uh, I, I guess not that different because uh, but I eight, guess like but I guess I could keep going like how different is eleven and six from ten and seven and keep building up. So I'm back in on the Patriots. I've been back in on the Patriots since the Chargers game, but that's where we're at. Three straight, three of four games have given up less than fourteen points. The other thing with Buffalo, and, and I kind of hit this last week, and, and it goes back to your point kind of, of of Josh Allen being a little bit of a wild card, is three one-score games they've played this year. They've all been losses. All their wins have been blowouts, 7-0 and in those multiple possession games. They're 0-3 in one-score games. So, you know, we saw them struggle against the Texans in the playoffs a couple years ago. That was much younger Josh Allen. Granted, that was without Stephon Diggs, so shortcomings on that team, but can they win those close games? And it, you know, really hasn't been proven yet this year. And I, I don't think they're going to run over the Patriots when they play at, you know, maybe one, they'll win pretty comfortably, but they're not going to run over the Patriots twice. The, the, the bills to me, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. They're like, they're a prove it team to me until I see them prove it. I'm not going to buy in. And you know, they're going to have opportunities here because they're going to be in a tough divisional battle, but I feel like a lot of the conversation before this year was, well, this is the Bills division for the next X number of years. This is going to be the Bills division, the same way it was the Patriots division. Look at the teams they get to play. They're going to get to play the lowly Jets and the lowly Dolphins, and who knows what the Patriots are going to be. Bill Belichick's still there. They're still clearly a good team. Last year, they ran into a hundred different issues that torpedoed them before the season even got going. And now they look like the Patriots that we've been watching. Like I said, the last, what, 25 years, this has been the Patriots. So it's reasonable to suspect they're going to be there at the end, that they're going to be one of those teams competing. And I think they have as good of a shot as anybody at this point to win the AFC. Yeah, if you're the Patriots, you've gotten... Probably anything you could have expected and more out of Mac Jones so far. He's been, I think, the most comfortable rookie quarterback by far so far. You know, he's, he's been the most consistent. I mean, it, Trevor Lawrence is really the only one that's been playing consistently since the start of the season. And that's a tough situation in Jacksonville. But you get a rookie quarterback that, you know, was coached by Saban, was coached by Belichick. Like that, you're going to turn out okay if those are your two court, if those are your two coaches. So I'm not too worried about Mac Jones. He had Sark, who was a great offensive coordinator as well in college. Yeah, the, the thing with, if we look back to that draft now, 
Like, I would still take Trevor Lawrence first, but are you telling me the Jets really would rather have Zach Wilson over Mac Jones? Because you know me, I was lowest on Zach Wilson. I'm not saying I was high on Mac Jones, but I thought once he went to, the, went to the Patriots, he had the lowest bust potential because he was in an organization that was going to do right by him. So uh, to me, their biggest weakness is still they don't have great weapons, but Hunter Henry's been healthy. That's been a, a major positive that has not been true throughout his entire career. Kendrick Bourne has been a reliable option. I, I think looking ahead, like way ahead to the offseason, I would try and add somebody if I'm the Patriots, whether that's OBJ, who's going to be a free agent since he only signed a one-year deal, whether that is a Devontae Adams, who looks like he's going to be a free agent. I think adding somebody to help out Mac Jones is going to be helpful, but it's clear that what Mac Jones bring to the, brings to the table can not only win you football games, but can put you in a position to to potentially win divisions and then after that win Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, they went out and spent in free agency for really the first time they have in a while, getting the two tight ends. They got Judon, obviously, but we forgot one key guy, which is Jacoby Myers, who first career touchdown today after 1,800 1800 yards without a touchdown. NFL record by far for like players before they caught their first touchdown. I think second place was like 700 yards. So my man finally got his due. Go, Jacoby. If you saw my tweet, you saw I placed a bet on Jacoby to score a touchdown today. So fade at your own risk, America. That's all I'm saying. Tom, let's move over then to another major surprise this week. I, I don't know if it's because the one team we thought was this bad or we thought the other team was better than this. But then again, the quarterback really, I think, plays a huge factor in this. That's the Detroit Lions. They didn't get their first win of the season. And you and I talked last week. We didn't know if there was going to be a win on the schedule. But they did get their first tie of the season. The Detroit Lions this week tied the team. You and I have slandered over and over and over again on this podcast. We will continue to slander them. I think this is an app opportunity, Tom, just for us to uh, to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Let's get the, the applause soundtrack for us. We're absolutely killing it so far when it comes to fading the Pittsburgh Steelers. But... 16 to 16 you can't do better than 16 points against the Detroit Lions I don't care if Mason Rudolph is your quarterback or not you threw the ball 50 times with Mason Rudolph really you looked at the Lions and said game plan for today throwing it 50 times with Mason Rudolph that's how we're gonna win this football game like come on now they deserve to tie this game honestly they deserve to lose but something about them having a tie I think hurts a little bit more so I this is totally deserved for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, do you want to know Jared Goff's stat line in this game? I'm 14, staring at it. 14 for 25 for 114 yards. That's how you should play a game in the pouring rain in Pittsburgh, not throwing it 50 times. They, I mean, they fumbled once late in the fourth quarter, Johnson, then they fumbled again in overtime with, with Fryermith. Shout out Penn State, but not in this scenario. Like, just not taking care of the football, Pittsburgh. You know, they had a couple dumb penalties. I think they had a roughing call. They had one, like, bad PI call. It's just... For how hyped this defense is, it, it, it's tough to kind of see what the path to, to contention is for these guys. I, I think the division's a lot more interesting now with Baltimore losing to Miami, so they really didn't lose any ground, so they're still kind of right there. And Off the top of my head, I don't think they've played Baltimore yet this year, so they still get them twice, but I, I just don't see. You can't move the ball against the Detroit Lions. like You have problems as a football team, so it, it, it's going to be a long couple months. I mean, let's be honest. We've been saying this, whether it's Mason Rudolph or or Ben Roethlisberger, they have a quarterback problem. 
this defense is really good and I think is really talented. But, you know, the person I was watching the game with today is a Steelers fan, and they had mentioned that they make a lot of dumb mistakes down the stretch, which is strange considering Mike Tomlin has been there for so long. You would think they'd be a little more buttoned up, a little more polished, but they they make a lot of stupid mistakes down the stretch in football games. And I think it's one of those things where it's just the quarterback issue. Ben Roethlisberger is not the future and he's not really the present either. Like you're not looking at Ben Roethlisberger going, yeah, that's the guy that's going to take us to the promised land. And then the backup options are Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. You're not looking at a very bright, promising future there in Pittsburgh unless you get a quarterback this offseason. Now, the question is, who's going to be available? Aaron Rodgers seems like he might have some interest in Pittsburgh. I don't know if they have the draft capital, but it seems like Russell Wilson every other offseason wants to be traded. So I don't know if that's going to be an option. I think if I'm Pittsburgh, you should just go young, draft a quarterback, try and get a Matt Corral, try and get a Malik Willis, try and get... You know, maybe a Carson Strong, if you just want a guy who stands in the pocket and slings. You know, Kenny Pickett, maybe you don't have to go very far. He goes from playing in Heinz Field to playing in Heinz Field. They clearly, though, have a quarterback issue, and I don't see any path this season to contention because of that. I don't care how good this defense is, and I think this defense is very good. And that's the thing, right? Like, you're fine on the defensive side of the ball. Like, trade some picks, trade one of your feels like 17,000 wide receivers and and go get a quarterback or you know trade up in the draft like you said they're a really good team that, that's just missing a quarterback and it, and it kind of feels like oh why like why is it taking so long why are you still sticking to Ben I, I kind of don't want them to get a quarterback because it it really feeds our our I don't know what the word is but like we just have a great time watching them be miserable there's something about them being so holy, like they're just so so fraudulent right now, and it's so much fun how fraudulent they are. Maybe it's because we've seen them be good, and they've kind of like they've basically been fraudulent since their last Super Bowl. It's always, oh look how good they are this year, or like last year, thirteen and three, number one seed. Look how great they are. Get crushed in the divisional round. Like they are so fraudulent, and I kind of want them to stay that way for as long as possible. They're kind of like diet Rams, if you think about it, from a couple years ago. Like, all the talent in the world, but Jared Goff. Like, you have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey, you have an incredible defense, but you just can't get a quarterback. So they go out and they get Stafford, who was a perfect fit in that system, and they're Super Bowl contenders just like that. I mean, I think the Rams' starting point is a little bit better than Pittsburgh, like pre-quarterback, but that's kind of the comparison. That's a team you want to model yourself after, to me, if you're Pittsburgh. All right, Tom, let's go then to the other big shock of the day, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers falling to the Washington football team 29-19. to Also, we haven't talked about them in a while, so this is a good as any point for me to remind everyone they should keep the name Washington football team. It's an excellent football team name. I don't know why I like it so much, but Tom Brady struggled today. He threw two interceptions, didn't look like himself, and I mean... Good win for Washington, but I think the bigger story here is Tampa Bay dropping a game where everyone else picked up a game and is now starting to fall back in the the contention for that one seed. But I feel like we saw last year they don't really care if they get the one seed. It's just about working out kinks one like throughout the regular season so that way you are buttoned up come postseason. And that's always been the way with Tom Brady. That, that's fine and good, but if, if you're talking about working out kinks, how do you come off a loss and then a bye week and still be this flat against Washington? It feels like they really didn't adjust anything, and maybe that's by design. You know, Maybe they gave the team a little bit more time off. Maybe they didn't 
take it as urgently as they did. It doesn't feel like they can go on a wild card run and and win the Super Bowl again this year. I think I think the top end of the NFC is there's just more teams to go through this time around. And for some reason, Washington has their number. You know, they played him really close. They played him probably the best out of anybody in the NFC playoffs last year. You know, Green Bay as well. But something about I don't know. Heineke has their number. I guess like he was throwing it all over the place. But like Chase Chase Young gets hurt. McLaurin was hurt for a while. Like this wasn't one A Washington team. But th- to me, this is kind of the Washington I expected when I picked them to win the division. Like they're going to surprise a couple teams. The potential kind of always felt like it was there. So maybe it was just Washington being due to put kind of put it all together. They've had a lot of close losses this year. They've had a lot of things not go their way but flat performance really when you're thinking about oh trying to get the one seed trying to even contend for the division yeah what Carolina's a game back now you did have New Orleans lose which was big but that's I mean they were playing Tennessee I mean looking at their schedule though they do have one more opportunity kind of like a prove it game against the Bills who also desperately need like a a prove it kind of win in my book but like looking at their schedule so far What's their good win? Because they played the Cowboys early in the year close. And, you know, I think now if they would play again, I think the Cowboys maybe beat them. I'm not totally sure just because I still don't totally trust that Cowboys secondary because Trayvon Diggs is totally that guy. Like he has eight picks right now, but will give up like a thousand yards. And it's just I don't trust that secondary still. They got crushed by the Rams. That score looks closer than the game actually was. They have a bad loss to the Saints and now a bad loss to the Washington. Like, what is their good win? I I don't see it looking at their schedule. And I just, they don't feel like the same team from last year. They don't seem, maybe that's because of all the injuries they're having. They're just not getting the same luck I feel like they had last year. But then again, like by the end of the regular season last year, I don't think any of us were like, wow, look how good Tampa Bay was. And then playoffs came and they lit it up and they just look like easily the best team. So maybe they're just one of those teams who kind of can turn it on and turn it off at will. And we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, certainly a possibility. I mean, they have a cakewalk, so it's hard for me to see them not win the division with, I mean, they finished with Panthers, Jets, Panthers. You know, they got the Colts, Falcons outside of that Bills game. They got the Giants next week. The wins are there. The record is going to be there. It's just yeah, kind of how well you can round into form. And, and we'll see. It's been kind of feast or famine with them all year. And, and you know, they'll put up 38-3 to against the Bears and the Dolphins. They'll take care of business. But how do you hang against the upper echelon of the NFC? And can you do it three weekends in a row? Because I don't think they're going to get the number one overall seed. I doubt they're going to get that by. Right now, I'd probably give Green Bay the odds on for that. Yeah, probably because they play in, in the division where you think they probably have. Or, I mean... I actually would probably say Dallas is probably the odds-on favorite to get it just because they play in the NFC East. I feel like those are there's a lot of easy, winnable games left on their schedule, and I'm not sure who else they get because like, I, I got to look up their schedule. Yeah, to close out the year, they have the Chiefs next week. That could be a game if the Chiefs start to round into form. They have the Raiders after that, who I don't think are as good as everyone thinks they are. Then you got the Saints, Washington, New York, Washington, the Cardinals, and then the Eagles. That's a big game, week 17 the against the Cardinals. Game. Wow. Yeah. That could be a massive game in terms of playoff seeding. But Tom, there is a, a game that you came up with before we started that we are going to affectionately call the Talgo Tire. Tom, can you please explain the Talgo Tire uh, NFL edition? So we, we have compiled who we view as, as possible Super Bowl contenders. We have... 
seven right now in the AFC. We have five in the NFC. We're going to randomize, and whichever team that you or I get spinning this wheel, affectionately named Tire, that's the team we'll have to defend and, and share why we think that team is you know either the best or going to make the Super Bowl, whatever it may be. Um, I don't mind starting. I can go ahead. I think we start in the NFC. We have five teams in the NFC. We have Tampa Bay. We have Dallas. We have the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Packers. All right, Tom, why don't you spin that wheel? I'll hit you with a uh, little drum roll, and you can reveal your team. How's that sound? I'm good to go, yeah. And your team is? The Los Angeles Rams. Look, David, this the offensive talent is there. They lose Robert Woods to an ACL injury. Whatever. They get Odell Beckham Jr. They have Cooper Cup and Stafford, who maybe are the best quarterback receiver duo right now in the NFL. Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald on defense. How does that sound to you? It sounds pretty good to me. Arizona, Kyler hasn't been fully healthy. They just lost today. So tied in the division now if they win on tomorrow night. So to me, the talent's all there for LA, and this kind of feels like with Matt Stafford, a little bit of a team of destiny, and they've figured it out, I think, over the last couple of weeks. So to me, far and away, it's the Rams. I find it hard to even like argue against that, to be quite honest with you. I know I'm going to have to here in a second, but like when you look at the Rams' talent, it, they have all the talent in the world, and not to mention, like I feel like sometimes teams have a lot of talent, and I will question the coach. Sean McVay got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as his quarterback. Yeah, question McVay. I feel pretty good about Sean McVay at this point. So, uh, Tom, that was your team. I'm going to hit you with a drum roll now, and then you can tell me what my team is. And here we go. Your team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom. I mean, come on. You got Tom Brady. What more do I need to say? You have the greatest quarterback of all time. He just did it last year after we doubted him all regular season. We doubted him at the start of the postseason. What happened? He was there at the end holding up the Lombardi Trophy. He's done it seven times up to this point. Who are we to say he's not going to do it for an eighth time? It feels like every time we count out Tom Brady... He's there at the end holding up the trophy. So if you were to tell me Tom Brady willed his team to another Super Bowl, that wouldn't be very surprising to me. Not to mention their front seven is still largely healthy. Their secondary can be a little dicey here and there, but I thought it was a little dicey last year too. They're all about getting pressure from their front seven. They're going to attack you if you have a weak offensive line like some of these teams that they're going to have to go through do. I think they have a great opportunity. And not to mention they have Aaron Rodgers' number. Are we really that worried about the Arizona Cardinals? I know I'm not. I'll take Tom Brady over Dak Prescott. He's already beaten him once this year. Then you go over there to Los Angeles. That's that's probably their biggest threat. But Matt Stafford has never won a playoff game. Tom Brady has seven rings. I, I'm going to trust Tom Brady when push comes to the sh- when push comes to shove. And that's why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be the favorites in the NFC. I was wondering if you were just going to avoid the Rams and, and that whole who the Bucks are better than conversation, but I'm glad Come you on. did touch on them there at the end. Come on, I had to do it. I'm, I'm not just going to be a coward and ignore it. I, I have to address all parties involved. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the favorites in the ANFC. Hasn't been a repeat Super Bowl champ in 16 years. Maybe this is the time. We'll see. Listen, Last one to do it, Tom Brady. I, that's the strongest argument for why they're not going to do it is it's very very difficult to repeat in the nfl to the point where not even tom brady can do it but if we're just talking about making it to the super bowl he's done that before he might not have repeated but he's been there 
All right, David, over to the AFC. We're, we're going a little bit more quantity over quality here with teams. Because um, we don't know. <laughs> so we have seven in the AFC. we got the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans, the Patriots, Chargers, and the Raiders. I would really love to not get the Raiders here. I'm regretting that one, but I will go first. All right, Tom, Drum let's go and spin the wheel. David, I'm going to keep it in Los Angeles. My team is the LA Chargers. Justin Herbert has taken the step as a second-year player. He is it. They have everything you could want on the offensive end. They can outscore anybody. They went into Arrowhead Stadium and got a win. They are unafraid of playing on the road, even if they don't win the division. I think they have everything you could want on the defensive end. Desmond King is a warrior. I like that front seven. I, I... I'd probably lean a couple other teams, but Herbert really feels like he's striding this year. Keenan Allen's having a great year. I think you get what you want from Eckler. Williams is a really solid piece. So the Chargers kind of feel like they're streaky, but they could get hot enough to outscore teams in the playoffs. So I'm leaning Chargers, and let's just make it an all-LA Super Bowl. You know, keep it home, make it easy on everybody, cut down on travel costs. It's it's a win-win for everybody. So let's just go battle LA. All right, Tom, I'll just be honest. I don't think they should be the favorites. I don't know what team I'm going to have to defend here in a second, but the reason is easy. 34-6 loss to the Ravens, 27-24 loss to the Patriots. The streakiness is a major, major issue. A loss today to the Vikings. I I think young quarterback, first-year head coach, that's a bad combination for trying to win a Super Bowl in that coach's first year. I I just think there's too many things working against the Chargers that I don't see them being that team of destiny this year. Maybe in a couple years, you know, I, I think they have the right quarterback. I think they probably have the right head coach, but it still feels like some of that Chargers stink of old is still on them, where they, they just lose games they're not supposed to. Where right now, let's be honest, they should probably be like the Cowboys lost, like that's a good loss. They are probably better than the Patriots. So right there is a six win, six whoa, and three. Whoa, I don't know about that. I mean, of course they are because they're my team. So, of course, they're better than the Patriots. And then the Vikings lost today. If we just give them the Vikings lost today, that's 6-3. and Like, I don't... They're too all over the place. I just... I don't see it from the Chargers. I I like the Chargers. They're exciting. They maybe have the best uniforms in the NFL, but I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this year or coming out of the AFC. But, Tom... I just, I trust them more than anybody. I think everybody is streaky in the AFC. That's kind of where you get, like, are you going to take Baltimore, who just lost to Miami? Are you going to take Buffalo, who just lost to Jacksonville? No, I'm going to tell you who you're going to take after this drum roll. David Royal, your team is the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, Tom, it's a team who is playing for each other, right? They're a team bonded by controversy, whether that's the controversy of losing their head coach, whether that's playing for their fellow teammate, Carl Nassib. It's a team who has been, I'm going to avoid the other controversy because it's, it's go- not- Good call, good call. The other the other controversy is not, it's not something to make you fun of. You don't rally around not, that, yeah. I am not, we're not rallying around that one. No, no, no. The, the team is rallying around the other things going on with them. They are a team who- Let's be honest, Derek Carr, I think some people think he is not as good as he really is. He's probably a top 10 quarterback. He's a solid, reliable guy. He can make every throw. He, he's, he's, you know, you got the weapons there. You know, Darren Waller is a good receiver. 
Uh, I was about to name the guy who is no longer on the team, so that wouldn't have been very good. Hunter Renfro is on the team. They got Deshaun Jackson to be their deep threat. They have a solid group of weapons. That's, that didn't, didn't even mention Josh Jacobs. They maybe they have the best running back left of all of the teams who are going to be competing in the AFC now that the Titans no longer have Derrick Henry. And then the defense has taken market impro- market improvement. That's not the word I'm looking for. Huge steps forward from, I think, where they were last year. You know, their corners are starting to come into their own. Trayvon Morig has been one of the best, most exciting young safeties. And we saw last year a team with a young safety win the Super Bowl. Crosby on the defensive line. Nassib on the defensive line. They have solid linebackers. This is just a solid team all the way around. And so far up to like this point in the season... Yeah, not a great loss to the Giants. They have a pretty bad loss to the Bears as well, but they feel like they've been the most consistent of the teams in the AFC so far, which is saying a lot because of how inconsistent the AFC has been. So give me the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, they're the only team who is used to playing in Vegas, so they're not going to get everyone's best punch. They're going to come in there. They're going to get a little too drunk, you know, the Vegas hangover, and then Vegas is going to put the whooping on them. That That's a huge advantage in their corner, that home field advantage, Raider Nation. That's the lead right there. You buried it. The, the the Vegas hangover effect is your argument right there. Are you arguing that the team that just lost to the New York Giants is the most consistent team in the AFC? That is something you said. That is what I just said. Yes, yes. But listen, Tough draw there. Tough draw there for us. I can't lie. Is it worse than losing if you're the Bills to the Jaguars? I don't think so. I think that's a better loss. It's is better it than worse? the Dolphins loss. Exactly. Like We're, we're looking around that... Everyone has a bad loss. It's just comparing who has the worst loss. And the Raiders maybe have the best loss. So it is what it is. That, that's unfortunate. We got the, the That Raiders was horrible. The I can't believe we, in the NFC, we got some good teams like you can make arguments for. We got awful teams in the AFC. Uh, it was just perfect. Real, real quick, just to do a little check-in because we did this last week. Who is just give me the team. I don't want an explanation. AFC favorite. Go. Ugh. Tennessee, I guess, after that performance today, especially if Henry's back. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Tennessee, like specifically the thing about Tennessee. Uh, no, we're not going to elaborate. I don't feel like talking about the, a- the AFC is so boring. I don't want to talk about this at all. Rams, you still feeling Rams in the NFC or what? I am. Yes, I, I think. Talent. All right, so we're same page for now. For now, we know that's bound to change. Uh, Tom, something else we did last week that we're now going to bring over to the NBA, and that, of course, is something we have affectionately called Nut Check November. Now, the NBA season is much newer than the NFL season, but, you know, we have a handful of games intact. Teams have played somewhere around 12 to 13 games right now. I think we've seen enough of these teams to go back a little bit and reevaluate some of the things we said Excuse me, I'm having a hard time over here. Reevaluate some of the things we said at the beginning of the season and see where we are now. Not even a quarter of the way through, but we're going to... I need to sneeze now. <coughs> Excuse me. Hold on. Bless you. Thank you. So we're going to reevaluate now, Tom, and just kind of look around and and reassess some of the things we said. Uh, what we have called, again, Nut Check November. Tom, let's start off the top. We always, we don't ever like to start, you know, the things we got right. We want to know the things we got wrong. Tom, based on our predictions, what was the thing you most got wrong? What team have you been most wrong about so far? 
This is a tough one. I honestly think it was the Golden State Warriors. I didn't really think they would click as much as they have so far. They got the best record in the league right now. They've won seven in a row. They, they Eight of those have been home games. They've been on an insane home stretch right now. So I'd like to see a little bit more away from the Bay Area. But Steph has been every bit MVP caliber. Draymond's been awesome. It's kind of those other guys, too. Like Oubre has filled a really good role. It feels like even with Wiggins, you know, they've got these good role players now that it's hard pressed to say they can't contend for a Western Conference and NBA title like with how dynamic Steph Curry is and they're just healthier this year it feels like they're clicking more and I I still kind of felt like they were, they were too old and they clearly showed me that age doesn't matter as much as I thought it did so to me it's the Warriors uh I have two teams I I was gonna say the Lakers right and I I just need to give a quick explanation on the Lakers, why I was wrong about the Lakers. I thought Russell Westbrook would be a little bit more reliable if LeBron James had to miss some games, which he has had to do, which you and I kind of anticipated. And he hasn't been. He's been turnover prone. They're blowing big leads. I just, I don't know what I'm getting from the Lakers on a night to night basis. And it just feels like they're really missing LeBron James right now, which could make, you could make the argument like once LeBron gets back, they'll be fine. I just think there's some major chemistry issues there with Westbrook and LeBron and Anthony Davis all playing at the same time. So I was wrong about the Lakers, but I was most wrong so far about the Atlanta Hawks. Four and nine have been absolutely horrid. They've been losers of six straight now. They're like the Atlanta Hawks, I expected to compete for the one seed. And instead, they are currently not even close to a playoff spot. They've been exuberantly bad. And I just don't even know like what to think of this team right now. Like it feels like it's the Trey Young show and then nobody else. Like he has no great supporting star. I think they should use some of their spare parts that, oh, you know, they're super deep. Use some of those guys and try and get a, a co-star there with Trey Young. Cause it just feels like he's trying to put it all on his shoulders and he's not that kind of player. He doesn't have the ability to do that. So they've lost six in a row. I lied. They won today, so they lost six in a row going into oh, today. My apologies. They got brutalized by the schedule. I think it might be too early to punt on Atlanta. Those six losses at Denver, at Utah, at Golden State, at Phoenix, at home against the Jazz, at Brooklyn. Those yeah, but six not, losses. To not win any of those when I thought they could compete for the East, I think that's a major red flag. Like, I don't care how early it's a tough the road trip, though. The four of those on the road, the West Coast swing. It's early for everybody. It's not like they're the only team who it's early for. Like you can't pick up one. You can't get somebody on kind of an off night. You like you're not going to tell me they got everyone's best. So punch. so if they if they had won in Utah instead of losing, you'd be yep. in on the Hawks. Is that what you're saying? I'd feel slightly better. I'm not saying one I'd be in. one result would would flip. I'd feel slightly better. I'm just concerned. That's all I'm saying. I've been the so far no, they've been fair. the team I'm most wrong about by far because I thought they were going to be the one seed and. Like, you can't start like this and then get the one seed. I just don't... I think the one seed is completely off the table now. I don't see any uh, path for them doing that. Just honorable mention, I was also exuberantly wrong about the Miami Heat. I thought they'd be, you know, like a four or five seed. That's where they're sitting right now. But they played better than a four or five seed right now. Like, they look like a legitimate Eastern Conference threat. Tom, let's go over... It kind of feels like... Sorry to jump on you, but... Like, we, we don't really have anybody emerging yet. I think it's, you know, maybe the Nets have been the best in the East, but it, it does feel kind of open again this year. I know that's what we all loved about last season's playoffs, and, and hopefully we're heading towards that. Really, 
extended in the NBA. Like that's the future as opposed to, oh, it's going to be one of three teams. So it, it is refreshing and glad to see it's kind of continued so far this year. All right, Tom, let's go then to things we're right about. What team have you been most right on so far in the early going? This is a little controversial because they are over 500 right now, but because of the way they've played recently, the New York Knicks are not a playoff team. And we said that going into the season. They're 7-6 and six right now. They got a couple nice wins. They cardiac won against the Celtics, but really tough loss in Charlotte on Friday night. It, it just feels like they were really hot in the early going, and they just kind of cool off a little bit. Like, we've hit the peak. We've hit the ceiling of the Knicks. I think we hit it really towards the end of the regular season last year, and then we saw really what they were in the playoffs. And I, I feel like they they don't have the recipe to win late in the year. They're just a, a little too showy. Maybe they, I, it, it doesn't feel like a team. It feels like a bunch of characters kind of with the Knicks, and I, I just don't see it playoff-wise from them. I'm having a hard time finding my team. I'm just like kind of looking around and I don't feel like I was super right about anybody. And so I guess I'm just like by default going to say the Brooklyn Nets. Like they're right now sitting at the two seed. They have had their ups and downs, but they have some good wins here in the early going. James Harden now seems to be rounding into form. Like I kind of said he would. A lot of people have made a big deal around the rule change. And I have kind of always thought he would figure it out and eventually be James Harden again. And he looks like he's starting to round into form of being James Harden. So I think just by default, it's the Nets. Because the other team I think I was right on, but I can't say it was my most right team because you were more full-throated behind them, is the Denver Nuggets. And... I, because I didn't have the same strong conviction as you did, I don't feel comfortable saying I was most right about them. So I got to buy default. That's the correct the take. Nets. Well, yes, that is the correct take. You're not allowed to take the Nuggets. Very good. Come on. Thank, come on. I'm, I'm always thinking, Tom. Uh, Tom, the last thing we kind of have here on the list is the team I have affectionately called the I'm not worried team. The team, maybe they haven't started so great, but you know, you're not really worried about them. You, you know by the end of the year where they're going to be. Tom, who is your I'm not worried team? There's really only one answer in my mind. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. Without Giannis, they, they struggled a little bit. They're 6-8 and eight right now, but they're kind of working a couple new pieces in. Grayson Allen, I think you got more than you expected probably. Does that continue all season? I don't know, but it, it feels like they're just not healthy right now, and they're, they're treading water enough to kind of be contenders again in, in what's turning out to be an, a, a pretty open Eastern Conference, so I like the Bucks. You know, because you took the Bucks, I am going to take a different team because that was my answer as well. We didn't discuss it beforehand, but you kind of gave all the reasons I would have given all the Bucks. The team I'm going to pick, and this is going to shock everybody, it's the Philadelphia 76ers. They were the one seed up until Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Isaiah Joe, Matisse Thibel all went down with COVID-related uh, symptoms and illnesses. I know Harris and Embiid both had COVID and tested positive. Both were actually also symptomatic. So we'll see how they kind of both are once they come back. Harris looked fine in the game last night, but they've lost four straight. They've fallen out of that one seed. They're now sitting at six, but they were, I think, top two. I think they were the second most efficient offense in the NBA before Joel Embiid went down. And Tyrese Maxey has taken huge steps forward forward from where he was last year and they look fine without Ben Simmons it looks like it's one of those things where if they can get 
even anything out of what Ben Simmons would have been giving you in terms of those minutes, they're in a great spot. And because they've played so well without Ben Simmons, I think they've regained the bargaining power here because they can tell Ben, even though they're not doing this, they can tell Ben, hey, just sit at home. Like, we don't need you to come in. We don't need you here. We don't need your distractions. And the fact they have played so well despite those distractions, I'm not worried about the Sixers at all. I I was super low on them coming into the year. I am now completely turned around on them. I think they are going to be a really good team. Whether or not they can win the East is a different question, but I, you remember, I was like, they're going to be close to that play-in tier. They're better. They're a step above those teams who are competing for the play-in tier. I grouped the Celtics kind of into that group, the play-in tier group. I think they're a step ahead of the Celtics, the Knicks. You know, I even think they're better than the Bulls. They've beaten the Bulls already. So that's my I'm not worried team. So this is straight true-false. The, sec- the Sixers are better their roster is better without Ben Simmons. True, false. Are we saying we just take Ben Simmons away and you don't get add anybody? Back? It's the it's the Ben Simmons roster versus the no Ben Simmons roster. True. They're better without Ben Simmons. True, because I I think the thing was right was and I I'd fallen into this trap was Ben Simmons quote unquote creates the most threes of anybody in the league, and it turns out it wasn't Ben Simmons because guess what. The Sixers are still creating the most threes of any team in the league. Turns out it was having the most dominant center in the league that was creating the most threes of any team in the league because he attracts so much attention, guys are open. And not to mention, I saw the other day Tobias Harris in terms of, um, I think it was like assist to usage percentage. He went from like bottom half the league. He's now top five in the league in terms of assist percentage to usage percentage. And that's because the floor is more open now. He has more places to go with the basketball. There's not guys clogged inside, log jammed, all trying to get into the paint. So yeah, I think I think they're better without Ben Simmons. I think they need to move Ben Simmons. I would move him for like I would even move him for like Buddy Heald. I, I think any kind of guy like that would be super helpful for this team if you can get more gravity around Ben Simmons. If they could pull off a Jalen Brown deal, holy crap, like, do it. I just well, don't. Well, we know what's going to happen, right? I'm going to execute myself live on air if that happens. So you're rooting for that. So keep that in mind when you think about it. What if it. you get Carl Anthony Towns, though? I saw a, a The Timberwolves Celtics Sixers trade? Yeah. I'm doing it yesterday. I'm in. Yeah. That's my, like, like I said that to someone and they, they would basically, shout out to Zach Kaplan, but they were basically saying, like, they're not high on Carl Anthony Towns. And my thing is, That's whether just, you're you don't watch on, basketball. Well, I think a lot of people see it as, like, empty stats, quote unquote, and I think that's unfair to Carl Anthony Towns. Like, the team is garbage. Like, yeah, they have some good starters and then they have no depth. So the moment all their starters sit down, they just get blown off the court. So, like, my, my thing with Carl Anthony Towns is whether or not you like him or not, whether or not you think he's better than Jalen Brown or not, he's a hundred times better fit next to Jason Tatum than Jalen Brown ever can be. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are playing essentially the same role on this team, and it doesn't work. Like It's just not working right now. So to me, if you can get Carl Anthony Towns, even if that means you're shipping Jalen Brown to Philadelphia, which I'm just going to say it, I think if Jalen Brown goes to Philadelphia, I would make them the favorites in the East. I think he's what they've been missing these last couple of years, and you don't really lose anything on the defensive end. I think that would be massive for both teams, and they're now all contenders now. They're now all contenders with the Heat and the Nets. 
I, I just I think it's a win-win for both sides. Timberwolves get a lot of nice young pieces, which is kind of what they need. Like, stop holding on to Carl Anthony Towns. Like, get something for him before he leaves a free agency anyway. Towns has been a top guy for the Celtics, I think, in, in terms of big men fit. Like, he's about as good as you're going to get. So why not pull the trigger? And, and you nailed it. Tatum and Brown are both elite players, but you you don't need two guys in the same position that are elite like that. And I think it, it works enough that they can they can both score, but to really see one girl. Like, Tatum had an insane postseason last year without Brown when he kind of had to be the only guy. And, you know, Brown's played well in stretches without Tatum, so... It, it's not like you're you're breaking up LeBron and D Wade when you when you break up Brown and Tatum. Yeah, and the the thing too with like with Cat, I I think when you look at the East, who are the guys you have to beat to make it to the NBA Finals? It's Kevin Durant who's seven feet tall. It's Joel Embiid who is a center. It's Giannis who is a center. Currently, the Celtics don't have a guy to even moderately check any Bam Adebayo ate them alive in that 2020 Eastern Conference Finals. If he can do it, any of those other four guys can do it a lot easier. Yeah, so you 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 saw Kevin Durant do it to them last year. Kevin Durant's going to do that to everybody because Kevin Dur- there's no one who can guard Kevin Durant. And even Joel Embiid is largely going to get his. But if you can have somebody who, in Carl Anthony Towns, who on the other end can neutralize that by getting his offensively, that's exactly what the Celtics should want. I, I don't know if that is what they want. Now, mind you, I think for this trade to happen, it can't happen until or the proposed trade that Bleacher Report put together. It can't happen until after December like 25th because of when Robert Williams signed his extension and they had included him kind of in that deal but uh, I'm with you I like if I'm those teams I do it yesterday I think it's a win-win-win for all three teams and it's the rare win-win-win where every team is going to be happy by the time the trade is over well someone's not going to be happy we'll see but but everyone has a reason to to be to be optimistic about it yeah all right, Tom, let, let's go over then for our last like 15 minutes here. Let's go over to the NCAA. We're going to hit just some quick pointers, notes from the early going here in the NCAA season. Tom, let's start with that UCLA villain over slugfest there at the end. Uh, you and I have actually talked a lot about this, and you actually said to me, despite UCLA's 86 to 77 win over the fourth ranked Villanova, you still don't believe in the UCLA Bruins, Tom. Explain yourself. I'm going to use your defense of, of the Bruins, why you think they're overrated, because you said it more eloquently than I do. It, it feels like a March hangover, and they got a really good win against Villanova, who had to travel across country, play an 1130 Eastern game, and was ahead for most of the game with, with a much younger roster. I, to me, if they met on a neutral court, I'm taking Villanova tomorrow with with the way they play, the big men they have. They get Gillespie. They have Samuels, who's still just just a freak. And But it's not about Villanova. It's about Haquez and Juzang. I just don't think they have enough interior. You go up against some of the likes of, yeah, Baylor's massive inside. Gonzaga's got maybe the two best big men in the country in Timmy and Holmgren. Like, you just can't contend. The Big Ten is littered with great big men. You've got uh, Edie from Purdue. you got Dickinson from Michigan. you got Kofi Coburn. Like, the list goes on. It's... They don't have a guy that can really match up against that. And yeah, you can rely on shooting, but in March, it's going to be streaky. The elite shooting teams really don't win championships. We saw it with Iowa last year, just didn't have a great game against Oregon, ended up bowing out early. Like It's it's just hard to win with that style of basketball. Baylor, just because they did everything well, were kind of able to get away with it. But 
that type of style really doesn't win six nights in a row in March. Well, the other thing too with Villanova is you mentioned the young, how young this team is. The the guy I've been looking out for and waiting to like kind of come onto the scene because he went to buy high school is Eric Dixon. He had 11 points right in this game, which is pretty good. He was four of 11 though. I feel like as he gets more reps, gets more playing time, you know, he played 39 minutes. You have to question whether or not just all those minutes kind of wore down his body a little bit late in this game. I feel like you know, teams as a team like Villanova, he starts to get more minutes. He starts to get more comfortable. Like you mentioned, UCLA has nobody to check him. There's nobody who you look at and go, yeah, that's the guy that's going to check Eric. That's the guy who's going to, you know, even check like a, a Samuels. Like Samuels had 20 in this game, went off. So it, it, I'm kind of with you. Like shooting is not the way. One cold night and you're out of the tournament. So it, it just feels like you need... You need some sort of interior presence, and UCLA doesn't have that. I do respect all these like early non-conference games, though. I think Gonzaga's really spearheaded it the last couple of years. They played an insane non-conference last year. They did this year. Granted, they play in the West Coast Conference, so they kind of have to. But it's great to see like meaningful basketball early in the season, unlike cough-cough college football, which you don't nearly see enough. Tom, then let's go over to that aforementioned Gonzaga game. Gonzaga took down the Texas Longhorns 86-74. to I feel like the score is closer than the game actually was. This was a convincing win by the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Drew Timmy, I mean, right here was him saying, I am the National Player of the Year. Here is my resume. Enjoy. 37 points, 15 of 19 from the field, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Just an absolutely dominant performance from Drew Timmy. And... You have to imagine, like, Chet Holmgren only had two points in this game, only took three shots, and they won by 12. Like, Gonzaga is loaded, and I just, they look, so far in the early going, they look like the best team in college basketball. I gotta be honest, I didn't learn a lot from this game. I I, I think it kind of went as, as everybody expected, you know, if, if Texas had played better, maybe, but I don't really think anyone right now is on the plane that Gonzaga is, and... I think Holmgren is kind of the big question mark coming in. And you mentioned he didn't really do much in this game. So obviously, you know, he's not going to, he's going to be more efficient. Timmy's not going to go 37 every game, but it was it 99 home games in a row. Now they've won. I believe if, if the championship was at McCarthy every year, they'd probably have 17 rings by now, but it, it's, they can win anywhere. They're just as good as last year. Are they better than last year? Probably not, but it, you know, time will tell. They can certainly get there, especially if Holmgren grows into that guy. But, but, not having Jalen Suggs, I think, is going to be hard to say they're better than they were last year. I mean, I'm not saying Razier Bolton, Penn State's own, stepped in there and replaced Jalen Suggs, but 16 against Texas, can nothing they claim to a, Can they at. claim a title if Bolton wins? Can they, can they claim a partial title? Do you, hang the banner? Do you hang the banner at the BJC? Does the banner say Razier Bolton, NCAA champion? Is that what the banner Razier says? Bolton, Penn State basketball standout, comma, national champion, Yes. When they retire his jersey in, in Bryce Jordan, that's like the little anecdote under his name is he won a national championship, but they don't say with who. They just say national champion. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, Tom, let's shift over to the women's side of things where, I mean, let's start with the more impressive of the, the wins today, and then we'll go to the bad loss after. UConn, dominant today, 95-point performance. Paige Beckers had 34 points in her season debut. I think there was a lot of talk coming into the year of, you know, how will Paige coexist with uh, 
AZ FUD, you know, will she take some of her shots away? Will some of the older players on this team take some of the shots away from Beckers? It is very clear and very obvious after this first game. It is Paige Becker's team, and then there is everyone else who will follow in behind her. This team will only go as far as Paige Beckers can take them. Does it feel like her player of the year to lose? Or are you yes, giving it to it, somebody at Stanford? Like, you giving it to Brink? To, to me, it's, it's... We'll get to Stanford here in a second, but to me... It's probably hers to lose. She has the narrative going for her, right? Which I think is super helpful is she comes into the year as consensus best player in college basketball. And so unless somebody else dethrones her and takes that away from her, I I don't see a scenario where she's not the player of the year when it's all said and done. She's just so dominant. And you saw it today. Like Arkansas is not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. And she just dominated. Like just... I don't know another word for it. Aaliyah Boston is going to have something to say about it for South Carolina. We'll see how they do. They, they, I mean, nine point win at NC State. It, I wouldn't call it comfortable, but they looked every bit like deserving number one. So again, it kind of comes back to the last couple of years. Just more teams at the top is just a good thing for basketball. I mean, we saw Arizona going and beat Louisville. So, you know, that was a team that got to the national championship last year. We're about to talk about another result that just, you're showing that more and more teams are growing and it, it, it's kind of the UConn effect and it's really awesome to see over the last few years. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Aaliyah Boston, Aaliyah Boston, I don't think, first of all, doesn't have the narrative going for her, which I don't think is super helpful for her, but I think her goals are bigger than player of the year. Like, I don't think she's super interested in winning the player of the year. I mean, she might be the first pick in the WNBA draft next year. She has an opportunity to win the national championship this year. Not to say Paige isn't also playing for that, but it feels like South Carolina around her has a little bit more of a well-balanced team where UConn, like I kind of mentioned, like it's, it's the Paige Becker show. They will go as far as Paige can take them. And if she falters late in the season, UConn's probably going to bow out because of it. Tom, let's go over then to another team who one and one to start the year. They got their rings today, but a bad loss today to the 25th ranked Texas Longhorns for the Stanford Cardinals, 61 to 56. It's always bothered me that it's the Stanford Cardinal and not the Stanford Cardinals. That that really bothers me. It's a shade of but, red. It's not that hard. Uh, I didn't know that until right now, actually. So that's thank you for enlightening me on that. Uh, just not a great performance from them. I, I think 56 points from the team that just won the national championship. That's not what you want to see. Cameron Brink was two of three on the day. Just was not the dominant presence I was expecting from Cameron Brink coming into the year. And this is another one. Like Haley Jones played really well, got to the line. The Hull sisters, you know, they kind of did their thing. Uh, one of the Hull sisters, I'm not exactly sure which one because I'm trying to figure out. I think the it was Lexi. Yeah. Lexi played well. Lacey did yeah, not. La- I was going to say Lacey was one of seven. She didn't have a great day. But this is a still, this to me is a team. They brought back most of the team that won the national championship. This is like very much like going back to the NBA thing, NBA teams thing. Don't overreact to a game early in the year. It, it's not a great it's not a great look for them, but I think they're a team who's going to figure it out as the year goes on. Specifically, Cameron Brink, like that is the key to all of this because I don't, I can't think of another player who can be as dominant inside as Cameron Brink is. I think it shows more about Texas. You want to be able to, this is a really good win for them to kind of build off of and, and maybe contend in the Big 12. You know, it's still Baylor's conference to lose, but without Mulkey there this year, it kind of feels like it's a little bit more open than it used to be. I'm not going to say. Texas is going to be a Final Four team, but 
they kind of play the uh, Stanford, going back to them, really hits the, the kind of Gonzaga schedule here. They've got Indiana, South Florida, Maryland, Tennessee, South Carolina. So those are three top ten teams. Maryland, South Carolina, I mean, that that is a bear of a schedule in the non-conference. So they're not expecting to go undefeated. You know, they wanted to challenge themselves. They're probably going to lose a couple of games, and they're okay with that because they know, hey, we have championship pedigree. We want to get as good as we can before the Pac-12, before the tournament. So... I'm not I'm not waving the white flag if I'm Stanford by any means. I'm not really worried about this loss. I think blowing a five point fourth quarter lead is maybe a little bit concerning. You want to see a little bit more from Brink, but long season, I don't I don't weigh this too much. We're going to know a ton about the Stanford Cardinal before the season's over because of those games you mentioned, but that didn't even mention like their conference schedule is no cakewalk either. Oregon is currently a top 10 team. Oregon State has a chance to, by the time they play, still be a top 15 team. Arizona was just in the final four last year. They're in the conference. UCLA is a top 25 team. Like they... They have a dog of a schedule, but I I think kind of like you mentioned, that's going to benefit them greatly by the time the NCAA tournament comes around because they're going to be battle tested. They're going to have played a lot of the best teams in college women's college basketball, and there's going to be a great opportunity for them to come into the postseason and just say, hey, like we know who we are. We know what we do well. We have a pretty good idea of how to beat these teams experienced head coach, young roster who is still growing. Like even if they don't win it this year. Almost all these people are coming back, except for the whole twins. Almost everyone else is coming back. So I, I think Stanford, kind of like you, shouldn't be worried. Uh, Tom, the last team I want to hit on here, I forgot to hit on them when we talked about the men. I think, like, in terms of most impressive thing I've seen so far this year, the Duke Blue Devils look like they're on a mission this year. Maybe that's something to do with Coach K. Maybe it's something else. This team looks scary good. Benchero's been as good as advertised, and then there have been guys like Keels who were not this advertised, who has been excellent so far. Wendell Moore Jr. looked fantastic today, I or the other day, excuse me. I just think this is this is a scary, scary team if you're looking around in terms of teams who might compete with like Gonzaga and the likes come come March Madness. Uh, that's Gonzaga's best chance to lose in the regular season, I think, by far, is that Duke game. UCLA, I think is less losable if that's a phrase than than the duke game i'm really november 26th is appointment television for that matchup but they got kind of a little bit of that 2019 duke feel where you know it's like zion and and bancaro like the hyped freshman you know barrett was really closer to zion than i think keels was to to bancaro but you got a really young team that they're hitting this early oh by the way that zion barrett team also destroyed Kentucky in the first game of the season. It was like, all right, game on this season. And they just kept getting better. And I get a lot of that high-flying kind of fun-to-watch basketball from Duke that we're so accustomed to seeing that we've been missing from the last couple years. Like Matthew Hurt doesn't really move the needle for me. They they really were kind of down in terms of recruits the last couple years. But they have that class now with K. And they, you know, the ACC is much more gettable than it's been in years past. UVA is down. UNC is down. Florida State's down. I mean, Duke is going to cruise, I think, in the ACC. I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked if they don't get a one seed, to be completely honest with you. The, the thing with Bancaro, too, is no matter how good we think Timmy is, and he's probably going to win like National Player of the Year, you look at Bancaro as who in college basketball can guard this man. He has an NBA body. He already has like an NBA skill set because you've seen him just like the way he can work off the dribble and work in isolation against guys. Like, 
I think they're going to be a really, really hard team to beat when push comes to shove. And they have been the team I've been most impressed by so far, even if Gonzaga has has maybe one of the better wins so far this year. And, you know, in again, Kentucky Timmy, was pretty impressive. Yeah, true. Like, and Timmy's looked fantastic. I think that's been part of it, too, is like he's looked like the best player in college basketball, even if Ben Caro is the one I'm like personally mo- most impressed with. They got to clean it up a little bit rebounding. Shibaway for Kentucky. Maybe the best transfer over the offseason had 17 and 20, 20 rebounds against Duke in that game. He kept them around. Like inside, there's a little bit of question marks, but you really, I mean, Gonzaga's got elite team. Gonzaga's got elite guys inside, so it, it's you know, it's kind of the UCLA syndrome. Is can they hang around in the post? And I think I think they'll be all right. All right, Tom. That brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. I definitely have a final thought, but of course, I'm going to let you go first. Tom, do you have a final thought? Jacoby Myers, one more time. Shout out. Anytime touchdown score today. Count it. Bet of the year. Shout out to Jacoby Myers, and we didn't really talk about it because it's kind of a hard thing to talk about in podcast form, especially because you're not as into the sport. But the most impressive thing I saw this sports weekend was Lewis Hamilton at the Brazilian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton, just to give the brief telling of the story, he qualified first for sprint qualifying, was disqualified and had to start from 20th because of an issue with his DRS drag reduction system. He goes from 20th to 5th during the sprint qualifying, has a five-lap penalty, five grid spot penalty because of a change they made to the engine before this race starts from 10th before they get out of like the first couple turns he's already made three spots goes on to win the race beating max verstappen by several seconds and just looking absolutely dominant we now have it set up here at the end of the formula one season three races to go it's within striking distance for Lewis Hamilton I think it's like 17 18 point lead for Max Verstappen that's literally like if something goes horribly wrong for Verstappen that's one race and we could be tied again but the ideal scenario if you love drama one two the next two races somebody else gets the fastest lap and we're looking at a tie heading into the final race of the season. That is what we want from sports, and I'm pulling for Lewis Hamilton. I'm not a big fan of Max Verstappen, so I've said it once before on the podcast. Team Lewis Hamilton, let's go. Let's bring it home for Team Mercedes. Do you have room in the trophy case anymore? Like Team Verstappen for me all day. Like Max has this one in the bag. He's winning it this year. We're, we're, I'm sick of the dynasty. It ends in 2021. Lewis Hamilton is going to win it again. And just to answer that question, I I really want to see what his trophy case looks like because he's won 100 times, which means he has 100 trophies for every win that he gets. You get a trophy every time you win, which is kind of sick. He has seven driver championships. He's run several constructors championships, which is the team trophy, but I think the team keeps that. So I'm going to assume he doesn't have any of those in his home. But then not to mention every time you win a pole, they give you this like tire that says what pole number you've won. And I think he has over a hundred pole one starts. So I need to see like what his trophy case looks like because it has to be absolutely massive. I'm sure his Monica home is beautiful though. I mean, we know he's there for the tax haven, but I'm sure his home I mean, who is else? absolutely why, gorgeous. I mean, why else would you be there? I, the yachts? I don't know. It's beautiful. I, it's, I can't say why else would you be there. I, I would live in Monaco in a heartbeat. Yeah, if I was loaded and needed a tax haven, I would also flee to Monaco if I was Lewis Hamilton. Genius man. Like, 
he's the greatest driver of all time. And this season, number eight, if he gets it, would be the record. I'm pulling for it. I love to see history. Tom obviously wants to see the dynasty end, which I understand it. People can get tired of it. Max Verstappen has said if he wins this season, so the winner gets the choice of driving the number one car, having the number one on your car. Lewis Hamilton, because 44 means a lot to him, has decided to keep the number 44 even as he's won. Max has said he will drive a car with the number one on it if he wins the championship this year. So just a lot to to drive for here with three races to go. Make sure you're all get into Formula One before it's too late. Tom, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, I do, actually. Max Verstappen, member of Red Bull Racing. I feel like it's my due diligence as a supporter of football club RB Leipzig, also Red Bull, to, to stick with the Red Bull Brotherhood. So that's why we're riding with Verstappen. We're riding with Red Bull. I love my wings. It's awesome. Um, and that's that. Red Bull Leipzig, great win over uh, PSG. No, that's a lie. They had a draw against PSG, but great draw against PSG in the Champions League. So take your victories where you can get them. They did beat Dortmund, so maybe they're back. Just saying. Tom's hanging his hat on draws. I'm hopefully going to be hanging my hat on an eighth Lewis Hamilton championship by the time this season's over. I'm David Arroyo. That's Tom Shively. We'll catch you back here next week for another edition of There's a Lot Going On.